the Zulu people say, Uluazi Luvela Oluanji. The knowledge comes from the sea. Our people believe that many, many, many centuries ago, a race of intelligent creatures of various kinds chaperoned the human race into this world in which we are in exile. And members of this race went into the sea to become what we today call dolphins, amashengeto. Over the centuries, dolphins and whales sent knowledge via dreams to human beings. The whales told us all about God. The dolphins told us all about wisdom and art and other forms of positive creativity. We black people believe that these dolphins are not fishes. They are Amashengeto, the saviors. They are people. They have a kingdom under the sea. They have stories that they tell to their children. And they have hopes for the future. We say that they came with their great emperor, Wawane, from the star called Sirius by the white people many, many millennia ago. Credo is what? Some people around the world call a shaman, and some deeply, deeply ignorant people call a witch doctor. And to give him his official title, he's a Sanusi in the Zulu nation. Uh, Sanusi is the carrier, the keeper of the ancient knowledge, the ancient knowledge of so much, including the ancient knowledge of history of Africa, where all this came from, where the people came from, what the truth of history is, instead of the uh, largely nonsensical version of history that we get through the universities and the schools from very, very well-educated professors, you know. There are only two Sanusis left in South Africa. Credo is one. And that's terrifying because it means the true version of the history of this continent is dying. I had entered school as a child of 14 years, and when I became a Sangoma, I was a youth of 16 years. And what, what my aunt and my, grandma, my grandfather, as well as my maternal grandmother, taught me shook me to the core of my soul. In some places in Southern Africa, if you wanted to learn the secrets of a certain secret society, you had to do dreadful things which I cannot repeat here. My, my teacher 
said, look, how far are you willing to go in order to become one of us? I said, I am willing to go anywhere. He looked at me and he said, listen, educated man, we are tired of people like you. White men come amongst us to milk our minds and then to kill us. We want to be sure that we can trust. They went into a graveyard and from there they removed the hand of a corpse dead two days and they brought it and they challenged me to cook it and eat it. I did so. And these were the people who first told me about a race of highly intelligent beings which they called the Chitauri, the Tokas, a race of creatures which look like reptiles who have ruled the world for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Through this dreadful act, I was able to gain knowledge which was denied to even the highest Sangomas because they could not, they would not go through the ritual I went through. The people of Africa have been coexisting, really coexisting, with alien beings from the stars for tens of thousands of years. The wise men and the wise women of our people believed that Ours was not the only world in which intelligent creatures are to be found. Ours was not the only world in which the song of life is heard. It is an insult to believe that God, the great planter of life, only planted life upon this our shabby little world. No, there are other worlds besides ours. There are other worlds beside our Mother Earth upon which life exists. The Africans even went on to describe 14 of these worlds. The first encounter between Africans and extraterrestrial beings occurred more than 7,000 years ago in a now forgotten part of Africa. Out of the skies, we are told, 
there descended a fearsome object, a huge spherical object with many things protruding out of it. This spherical object descended to earth with a, a sound like a thousand thunderstorms. It is said that a door opened in this strange metallic sphere and out of the sphere there came a long line of strange creatures creatures that walked like human beings creatures that had webbed feet and webbed hands creatures that had the faces of fishes but the bodies of human beings. The leading creature lifted up its stick and its right hand and it addressed the people as follows. People of this world, we are the Numu people. We come from the land of the star of Kiri Dahu. We come from the star you know as the star of the red dog. Listen to our words because we have been sent by a very high one in a high place to make certain truths known to you. The creature told our people that the race of humanity was once great amongst the stars. That human beings were once the leading race in the great cluster of stars, the galaxy. The creature said that because human beings were so vicious, so aggressive, towards other intelligent creatures and towards living things in general. A great war broke out amongst the stars as several worlds joined forces against the human race, fought it and drove it away from the center of the great star flower. to seek refuge in this forgotten world of ours. The Numu or the Nomo told the people that if we human beings could get rid of hatred, if we could get rid of war, if we could get rid of disease, if we could get rid of selfishness. The great gathering of the star worlds would once more receive us with open arms to take once more our rightful place in the great kingdom of the worlds.
the normal taught us that we must at all times respect the earth upon which we live. The normal told us that our earth, the earth in which we live, was artificially created in order to breed and to sustain life, life which would then spread to other worlds amongst stars beyond number. The normal said, Oh, earth dwelling brothers and sisters, you must understand who you really are. You must understand how great you are. You must understand how great you once were. And you must know that a living thing that does not spread out to the stars sooner or later dies out. And that if you do not follow us into the dark spaces above, you shall exterminate your earth and eventually shall exterminate yourselves. And the, the earth, which is a womb world, a breeder of life, will be once more empty of living things. star of the red dog seal a pact between ourselves and you human beings. By this gesture do we promise this, that if you get rid of war amongst yourselves, if you get rid of arrogance and quarrelsomeness, if you banish disease and bid farewell to hunger and poverty, then we, the normal, shall return and we, the normal, shall take you by the hand and lead you, human beings, to the throne of the stars. The normal people were seen once and once only, and their ships never visited this earth again. We do not know why.
is your experience and your knowledge of an extraterrestrial involvement in the history of Africa? There was once a time when the blue sky was invisible, when the whole world was covered with mist, when you could not see the sun as it is now, you only saw it as a, a, a splash of white light moving slowly across the sky. At that time, there was an eternal drizzle every day of the year. At that time, people could not see the stars. People only saw the trees growing, trees which were very, very big. There was no desert at that time, only jungle everywhere where you went. And out of the sky, one day came terrible objects. They were like gigantic bones made of huge gleaming gold. They were shaped like bows without strings, and they were bigger than the biggest mountains. They came out of the sky, bringing great noise, black smoke, and fire with them. And out of those huge objects came them. When the Chitauli arrived in Africa, they told our people that they were gods and that they were going to give us human beings great gifts on one condition. We had to worship them and accept them as our creators. Some told our people that they were our elder brothers and that this earth had produced them generations ago. And they said they had come back to the green womb of their mother and that they were going to make us into gods. But the Chitauri were now the masters of human beings. They made them, the, the human beings to go into holes in the ground and to mine metal, gold, copper, tin, all kinds of metal, the Chitauri forced our people to mine. And so it went on and on, until one day, Zavantwari activated a black hero called Mweru. And Mweru challenged the great chief of the serpent people to a fight. And he cut off the royal pennies of the king of the snake people, and that caused a big war. Mweru ran away, but Mbaba, the terrible chief of the people, caught him and arrested him and brought him to his village. And there, the great chief Korontwari Mbaba said, look, you cut off my thing, 
and I have replaced it with one made of gold and I can't make love to my wife anymore. You think too much, you wretched little human being. Now, Umbaba had a terrible nail in one of his hands. A claw. And with this claw, he drove the claw into Tuamweru's nostril, making a terrible hole into his brain. And he started drinking Mweru's brain. And then he threw away the cross. To this day, we believe that the people, the Chitauri people, they eat human brains. And strangely enough, scientists have found skulls where the human brain has been removed and eaten by someone or something. A man like me shouldn't bother himself about it. I worry about people. I, it's sickening. I have ruined my life. Because of worrying about people, I feel that I could, I want to shake, to take every human being on this earth by the shoulders, shake them roughly and say, listen, pastor, there is more to this earth than you think. Say, I have seen the Chitanti. I have smelled them. I've, I've had personal experience of these. And there are people who claim that these creatures are gods. There are people say, who claim that these creatures are experimenting on us. That is a lot of rubbish. These creatures are harvesting us. These creatures are not aliens, Mr. Ike. These creatures are sexually compatible with our women. And what does that tell you? It tells you that they came from here. They are, they are, they are part of us. And this makes them all the more dangerous. They know us very very, very well. They know the great weaknesses of our minds just as they know the great strengths of our minds. They operate in, in what I call the gray area of human existence. That, that side of our lives which we don't want to acknowledge the existence of. They create African tradition says that the Chitauri, where they engaged God himself in a terrible war, and God defeated them, the real God, Ngudungudu, the creator. God defeated them, and he closed their mouths so that they are unable to talk or to eat food anymore. But we are told, say, that the Chitawuli fatten on the energy that we human beings give them. 
They make us to fight each other. And when the whole land is drowning in death and fear and terror, when hundreds and hundreds of people are angry and afraid, the cheetah will get fat because they eat that, that what we call the dark power which is brought about when human beings destroy the planet on which they live. We are told that the Chitaur eat energy which is generated when hundreds of human minds or one human mind starts thinking at certain levels. we human beings have got a blind spot in our brains and this is what the Chitauli and other alien nasty boys are exploiting. And these alien creatures know our weakness. They know that very often we human beings tend to censor what we see. If if you are an educated professor and you see a spook, your educated mind will refuse to accept what it is seen. You will reject it and throw it to the back banner of your brain, and it will stay there. Hundreds of us see very strange things every day, but we refuse to accept what we see. Say, there are certain vaccination things that are done to our children which rob them of the ability of seeing spiritual entities. Believe me, I can prove this. Our grandmothers used to give us great pain in order to save our spiritual eyes. They used to hit grains of maize and then they would hit this grain of maize and using two pieces a piece of wood as tweezers place it firmly against the skin of the child so when the school inspector came he saw these blisters and assumed that the child had been vaccinated but in fact it had not and this was done to us many, many times. And I noticed that school children in mission schools who had been vaccinated for smallpox or for measles could not see spiritual entities at all. A, 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 a dog that is a flying saucer would fly through the sky at great speed and be seen by many men and women. But the child who had been vaccinated would see nothing. And I noticed this hundreds of times. I began wondering what's going on in this world. But I did not have to wonder long. One day, I was with 
a relative of mine, and he told me that we must climb higher up the mountain slope to search for the herb for which our, our teacher, whose apprentices we were, had told us to find on the slopes of these mountains. A strange blue mist fell all around me. It was like a blue haze, a bright blue haze that seemed to fill the whole land all around me. For a few amazed moments, I looked at the landscape through this strange shimmering blue haze. I regained consciousness to find myself lying upon what looked like a metal working table. I was lying on top of this thing and I was naked. And the fact dully registered in my mind, it was as if I was under the influence of some kind of drug or spell in that I observed all these things with a strange detachment. I was just lying there on the table, not moving a muscle. I was on my back. And then, through the haze, I saw things moving. They looked like dolls. They looked so incredible that I couldn't believe what I was seeing. My mind faintly registered the spectacle. These things were moving towards me. There were five of them. And before I knew what was happening, one of them, the tallest and the largest by far, was very, very close to me. This creature was something to be feared, I sensed. There was something cold and unbelievably unfriendly in the creature's expression. And the next moment, a terrible scream was torn out of my lips as a burning pain seared into my thigh. I turned my head, forcing it to turn, and I saw that one of the creatures had buried something that looked like a flexible cable in my left thigh and the pain was horrible and even now i remember that and much more with a shudder this creature pushed something into my nose my right nostril and there was a burst of pain that was so excruciating that I don't know whether I screamed or not. It was a maelstrom of agony. It was a storm of anguish. After that, my body just became numb. I could feel the creatures doing more painful things in parts of my body. They drained something 
from my organ of manhood, subjecting me to a deep feeling of horror, shame, and terror. To them, it was a duty of some kind, a duty which was attended by a desperation and an efficiency that was literally out of this world. Their faces were totally unreadable, and they said nothing. They only seemed to communicate with each other in a series of squeaks and rattling sound and hisses. Many times I wanted the creatures to tell me what they were torturing me for, what had I done. But they did not even say a word. They did not even make a single recognizable gesture of apology to me. They didn't. They just went about whatever they were doing. These creatures looked exactly like this. They are the type of alien creature that has been known and feared throughout Africa for generations. This creature is about three feet tall. It looks for all the world like a child who is on the last stages of dying of malnutrition. It looks exactly like this and it has a strange smell which once you smell it, you shall never forget it. This creature is known by the Zulu-speaking people of South Africa as a mantindane. The word mantindane comes from the verb ndinda, which means to abuse, to fiddle with, and to torture by interfering with the victim's genitals and other private parts. This is an exact description of the Mantindan. It does exactly that. For hundreds of years, even mighty nations such as the Zulus, even powerful warrior nations such as the Botswanas and Tozas lived in mortal fear of these creatures. I was forced off the table by the Mandindane and taken to see a number of things which even now make no sense to me. More than four decades ago, I saw creatures in what appeared to be glass jars little mandindane swimming like ugly little frogs inside pinkish fluid. I saw other things that I cannot even pretend to understand or, or to describe. And then I saw in another place a number of people, yellow people, black people, and white people undergoing the same brutal torture 
that I had undergone. But one of the people was a man. I came so close to him as to look down into his agonized face. He looked up at me and I looked up at him. The man was a white man. And some years, some years later, round about 1963, I was walking the streets of Johannesburg when a white man suddenly grabbed me by the shoulder. I thought I was being arrested. The white man said, hey, stop you. I stopped. He said, do you speak English? I said, yes, boss, I speak English. And then he said, where the fucking hell did I see you before? Where did I see you before? Where? I said, I don't know, boss. He said, listen, don't bullshit me, man. Where did I see you before? I said, I don't know. He said, were you in Rhodesia? I said, many times, boss. And then he looked at me for a long time, his lips trembling. It was obvious that the man was on the very brink of total insanity. There was a wild look in his gray eyes that chilled me to the core of my soul. His lower lip was trembling and there was spittle on it. And then he pushed me away. And as he walked away, he said, stupid Kepha, we were in hell together. Those words shall ring in my mind for as long as I live. Stupid Kepha, we were in hell together. The white man recognized me just as I recognized him. We were in hell together. But let me tell you this, that there is no glory, there is no glamour, there is no sanctity in being captured and tortured by a mantindane. People who say that these creatures speak to a, their victims telepathically, are telling cheap lies. These creatures do not talk to you. Strange pictures are instilled into your mind. Pictures of the end of the world. Pictures of seas polluted almost to an inky blackness, where not a fish nor a bird is to be seen. Pictures of a landscape turned dry and dead, with the trees forever frozen, leafless and dead, on a landscape which is as hard as granite. Pictures of poisonous, dark yellow clouds swimming across the blue and poisoned skies. Pictures of mountains denuded of all life. Pictures of dust 
swelling where green things bloomed centuries before. I am not one of those who believes that these Mandindanes are experimenting with us. There is too much purposefulness, too much efficiency behind the whole thing. These creatures are harvesting us for some reason. And they are harvesting not only human beings but also animals as well. Because they often molest and mutilate animals in the African bush. All I do know is that somewhere out there, there are creatures of an extremely high intelligence. Creatures that have haunted the lives of our remote ancestors for hundreds if not thousands of years. Creatures that still haunt our lives at this day and this hour. The Mandindane creatures do not come from any star or star system in space. I say that these creatures come from our future. They are taking revenge upon us for what we have done to our future a few thousand years from now. And I am firmly convinced of this and all things that have happened to me since that terrible day have served to confirm that these are our descendants, not aliens from some far galaxy, no. The reason, one of the reasons why I've joined forces with you is because I have serious reason to believe, and I will repeat these words until somebody shuts my mouth in death. I have serious reason to believe that on this planet, things are coming to a head, and our invisible jailers are going to fight tooth and nail to prevent this. Say, our people say that the blackest night often heralds the brightest day. The human being, captive as he is, slave as it is, is trying to fight back, say. Stop calling the conspiracy a theory, say. Theories do not kill people, Mr. David Cook. Theories do not murder innocent children. Theories do not put multiple murderers of Kabila's stripe into power in countries. Theories are just ideas floating in the air. This, the conspiracy is real. It is there, and it came. When man discovered God, he discovered a shapeless, featureless, endless entity with which he could not cope. And so 
in order to handle the mystery of God, man reduced that mystery to a shape that he could recognize and therefore understand. Man reduced God to a human-like family, a family of God the Father, known by my people the Zulus as Unkulunkulu, which means the greatest of the great ones. And God the Great Mother, known by the Zulus as Numtubulwana, which means the flower of the many fields, the lady of many plowshares. And God the Son, known by the Zulus as Umvelingangi, which means the firstborn of the Almighty. This stone here is engraved with the ten great laws of the Almighty. And this serpent symbolizes one of the most important pillars of the traditional black religion, that is a belief in reincarnation, that that which lives now shall travel along the road of life, shall die only to resume the journey of life in another shape. This is the symbolism of the double spiral serpent. It's a symbolism of rebirth. Also, it is a symbolism of the secret road that, according to ancient tradition, was taken by people between this star system of ours, the solar system, and other solar systems. Because we are told there was a secret spiral road which you could travel from this earth of ours to other planets. But when man became aggressive and sinful, the gods closed the path of the many returns, as it was called. We are shown another spiral, but this time this spiral represents not the secret pathway between the stars, but the hidden force which lies under the earth which can be harnessed by a sanusi for the healing of people i think that god could be the source from which all living things come it is the source of all order and logic in creation when one looks at, at a tree, for example, one can see the art, the artistry and the logic behind each leaf, each branch, and each layer of bark upon the tree. A, a tree is a highly, highly, highly advanced sort of living machine and that living machine could only have been created 
by something that was just as alive and just as wonderful. That is God, I think. <laughs>